Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's Game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA, that's Game. It's like Game 5 of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks, Suns, in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side. Found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me, oh, always so great, the delightful and world famous Ellen Adair. <laughs> Ellen, welcome. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me, Joe. You I'm are the least world famous person to ever be on your not, podcast. Not true. I you are world appreciate famous. Appreciate it. You're world famous. You're on TV. You're, <laughs> anybody who's on TV is world famous. That's just how that works. That's, that's the assumption, anyway. That's how it works. How are you? How How are you feeling? I'm great. I'm feeling good. You know, I assume that you're having me on the podcast because Aaron Nola pitched his first ever nine inning complete game shutout, and this... so I'm just, you know, I'm walking on air. Even the Phillies, you know, stranding at some mathematically impossible number of batters on base yesterday can't even get me down. No, no, this is exactly. In fact, we were, we had several other people scheduled to be on this podcast. You know, we had, well, Tom Hanks, and uh, we were going we to split it. No, well, we said, okay, we have Tom Hanks, and and we had uh, Jennifer Lawrence. It was going to be like a split show. It was going to be half with Tom Hanks, half with Jennifer Lawrence. But then Aaron Nola throws the, the shutout, and we're like, well, forget that. We just bumped him. Just bump yeah. those people there. It's it's obviously we're going to have to have Alan on. I mean, yeah, was, they just they don't they don't know as much about Aaron Nola as I do. I think no, that that's probably safe to say. No, yeah. I, Tom Hanks starts talking about Aaron Nola. It's it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing how little Aaron Nola knowledge the man has. I'm sorry. Nola. It's great in a lot of other ways, but yeah, it doesn't know <laughs> yeah, that much. Yeah, about you know Aaron what? Nola. You know what? <laughs> Seems like a nice guy. But if you don't know Aaron Nola, you're not coming on this podcast. Not this week. Yeah, next week, maybe. Is Aaron Nola knowledge no ludge? Sure. Okay. Okay. I'm just I'm just giving you book titles. That's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to give you book titles. <laughs> so we're going to talk some Phillies baseball. We're going to talk. Uh, you know what? It's been a kooky season already. The season is already kooky. We're only like, you know, three weeks in. But it already feels like there's lots of. There's a lot to talk about. It's juicy. Do you There's think it's so juicy? much to talk about. There's, it feels like baseball is juicier this year. I don't know if that's really true. Maybe I'm just so fired up because it's the it's the first time we've had anything sort of resembling normalcy uh, in baseball in a long time. It's obviously not normal. It's still very weird and still small crowds and, and still the occasional, yeah, they're not playing for a few days because of COVID. I mean, that's there's still some of that going on but it's not it's not like last year it feels like it's 
sort of real baseball, which will get to a point that I'm going to, uh, you know what, I'll even start with this point. So, so we're going to talk some Phillies. We're going to talk the some Yankees. We're going to, this is going to be the nice. best Yankee minute ever. Yes, um, it it's going to be so great. We're going to talk Dodgers uh, and Padres. Who I thought yes. that, I thought that series was pretty much the best. Uh, that was the kind of the most exciting early season baseball series I in memory, like in recent, it's in recent memory. I well, it's just like memory. you're already, every time the Dodgers and the Padres play, you're getting to see the NLDS already. Well, but it's like, not only that, it's like, yes. I mean, I think there were times in the past where you would see two teams, you're like, yeah, you know what? They're the two best teams. They're going to end up playing each other. But they they already like kind of hate each other. That's cool. It and, was very juicy. It's juicy. The games themselves were fantastic, even if... One of them had like 183 pitchers. It still was great. And there's tension and excitement. And, and you know, it's April. I mean, that's like, that's not really what baseball in April is known for, for, for us to already have these tense series where like everything feels like it matters and counts and in, in a big way. But but that series really did. So we'll get to all of that. But but I'm going to get to this point first because it is a point we've discussed uh, on this podcast before, and and I do have your your you know I do have, want your opinion on this. So we all know last season was like I always put it in quotation marks. It was this weird thing, not just because it was only sixty games, but because nobody there were no crowds, there was nobody in the stands, nobody really knew what these games meant. It was you know the playoffs came along and it was a little better, but generally speaking, I was like, what is this? Is let's does this? Does this matter? I mean, are we going to put this in the record books? Like, you know, mm-hmm. and because it was such a weird year, all of the rule changes that they threw in kind of fit the moment. You know, you're like, oh, you want to put a runner on second base at the end of it? Fine, do that. That's fine. Oh, there are no more pitchers hitting. Everybody's a DH. Fine, do that. That's fine. Uh, seven inning, double headers. Okay, whatever. Everything felt in play to me. Like last year, they could have literally said, okay, one outfielder can't wear a glove. All right. We're going to just, you have to, that, that person has to make every catch bare hand. Okay, fine. All right. Whatever. Just do whatever you want. You know, we, one batter out of every nine has to stand on one foot. Fine. Okay. All of that last year was fine. This year, because as we have discussed, it does feel back, not fully normal, but 90% normal, 85% normal. It feels like it's real baseball again. It feels like it's better than normal, maybe. Well, it's better because it's kind of exciting, which we will get into. Yeah. But because it is exciting and because it feels like we're we're back playing real baseball, how do these seven-inning no uh, doubleheaders feel to you? How does this extra-inning rule feel to you? Do they feel still natural? Do you still feel like, yeah, they're good? Or now do you're like, ooh, I, I not really thought about seven-inning games before, and now I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well, to me, the seven inning games made sense for last year specifically because games needed to be made up at such a precipitous pace because the season was so short. And I do not like them as a a viewer, as a spectator. I want nine innings. However, I always have to say, like, well, I know they can be a slog for the players. And hard for the players. So I guess that's nice for them. But and and I always try to consider these things, but like personally, no, I don't like them. No, I kind of don't like it. I like the 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 runner on second base I'm not in love with, but 
I, it doesn't bother me as much as I, as, as other people, because I've been to enough baseball games that I've seen, you know, games tied in the ninth inning and, you know, the ninth inning ends and we'll go into extras and, every, you know, there's a small percentage of people that are like, yay, free baseball. And a large percentage of people that are saying, I paid for nine innings, I'm out of here. And they're just gone. They're just, they're, they're, and they there's just another percentage out. of people. That, and I'm speaking, speaking as a person who, I don't think has and and my memory is not great, so my husband oh, could good. probably fact check me on this. Yes. I don't believe I have ever left a no, baseball you, game before it is done. No, you wouldn't leave a game. No, yeah. you because because that's the way uh, that you uh, that you For feel. Me it's but free baseball. But, but what I was going to say is being there in like inning sixteen, I witnessed people yelling at the players to end the game. And this, to me, is the strangest of all the opinions to have, right? Because nobody's making them be there. The players, <laughs> in fact, like somebody is making them be there. Yes. And I understand like they're getting paid a fair amount of money to do the thing that they love. But like I'll, I'll let you know that when I'm on like hour 14 right. of a shoot, like I'm like I am getting paid a fair amount to do the thing that I love and I'm grateful, but I'm also tired at this sure. juncture and I'm sure. not performing to – you know, my own standards, probably. I'm not performing as well as I did on hour 10. So, like, to yell at the players for it, when you have a very easy way out, sir, like, right. you can leave and go home. Well, That's frankly, yeah, I and I believe this is accurate. I, I you know what, we'll have uh, our producer, Marissa, double check this with the stats. 34% of players would leave if they could. So that's my feeling. Uh, I, I believe that's I believe that's factual. And so, yeah, you're yelling at people that are like, dude, if I could leave, I'd be out of here. I why? Why are you bothering me? But but again, regardless. OK, so I don't have as big a beef with trying to make extra innings a little bit faster and maybe a little more exciting. I don't know. It really does. I think we've talked about the idea of how putting a runner on second leads to intentional walks and, and bunts and garbage that, that I don't want, but regardless, mm -hmm. okay. I am, you know, I'm not, I'm not as down on that rule. The seven inning thing bothers me a lot. Same. And, and, and I really troubled, you know, we've had that moment the other day, um, somebody had a no hitter right through six, and it was like going to be a seven inning no hitter if, if he didn't get it. I don't even remember who it was, um, oh. but it was somebody had a, you know a no no going through six or into the sixth maybe, and and they ended up you know giving up a hit, but but it would have been a seven inning no hitter, which is dreadful. And I don't, you know, I do understand that you know. Look, I want. I think the players, there are too many games for the players. I, I think that's right. I think there's an easy answer to that, obviously, that, that the owners don't particularly want to do, which is cutting back the schedule. And I, I'd be okay with that, uh, especially if we're going to expand the playoffs, which you know that that, that they will as soon as yeah. they can. So I'm fine with all of those things. I, I'm not, I don't even feel like it's a purist thing. A seven inning game doesn't feel like baseball in the same way where suddenly it's the fifth inning and it's getting late, you know? I mean, like, hey, you better, you better score now uh, or, or uh, you know, you're running out of time in the fifth inning. And, and now you're now your bullpen. It's like a weird, it's just, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know. It it really, I I find it to be a struggle. Uh, and and so, so yeah, I I I just kind of feel like seven innings is it's not it's not baseball in the same way. And that is the rule that I find myself most bothered by. Yeah, I think I'd agree. For me, the the runner on second in extra innings, I thought I was going to hate. And actually, I've secretly, quietly ended up sort of enjoying it. <laughs> I like that. I mean, you know, obviously, we all get to be like, ha ha, you know, Corey Seager hit a leadoff to run home run, which was one of the crazy things that happened um, in the Dodgers Padres season uh, series this past weekend. But I just like that it's sort of a different strategy. I do think it significantly advantages the home team, but I think that's also kind of interesting. So, yeah, I don't – I thought I was going to really hate it, and I don't. But as a person who recently attended a seven-inning doubleheader, I have to say I was disappointed and not just because the Phillies lost both of those games. <laughs> Although one of them did go into, quote, extra innings. Yeah, yeah. That's another so, weird thing. Yeah. That's another weird thing is when you're in the eighth inning, it's extra innings. That is very, very strange. Uh, yeah. Well, that's – so here's the thing. So who is who is the seven-inning doubleheader supposed to please? Like who is that – supposed to please is you know i mean you mentioned it for the players as far as giving them a little bit of a break of course it's not a break if they have to play both ends of the double header even if they get an extra day uh if they play both both games of the double header that's 14 innings of baseball they've got to play a minimum uh so that's not great and you know if it's for the fans no i don't know it's kind of weird it's like you're seeing two games but you're not really seeing two games and i, I don't know i that like I say, I barely thought about it last year, honestly. And for all those reasons that we've already said last year, it was like, Hey, anything goes, all of this is fine. Uh, anything goes, but this year it's like, all right, well, baseball's back and, and like, Oh, okay. Well, here's what we're bringing back from last year. We're bringing back this, this extra inning thing. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Uh, we're not bringing back the DH thing, which is like, really? You're not. Why, why not? And then it's like, oh, well, we're bringing these seven inning double headers. Like, okay, that's that's the bridge. That's the bridge too far for me. Is is the is the seven inning double headers? I just don't, I don't dig them at all. Well, they're not bringing back the DH because I assume that that's a bargaining chip yes, that the right. players just don't want to give up. Whereas right. if I were the players, I'd probably be for a seven inning double header. I I feel like they're who it advantages, but I do think it disadvantages the the fans. Well, I, and, I don't. And, I really don't see an argument that fans are going to be happier seeing less of the thing that they have paid money to see, even if that seems to be the attitude of some. Well, I guess it's shorter, right? The games are shorter and I mean, yeah, that seems to be a whole, a whole I don't other thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know. No. And by the way, the, the reason that there's no DH is exactly what you're saying, which is that the players are holding on to that chip, which they will give up next year. So in other words, basically that's fine if you know the insides of baseball, but if you don't, you're just a fan, just kind of like, oh, okay, what's the rule this year? Oh, this year pitchers are hitting. Well, wait a minute. Last year they didn't hit. Oh, yeah. Well, don't worry. Next year they're not going to hit either. It's like, yeah. like what? I don't. What? So why are they hitting this year? Just it, it, don't worry about it. Just go to the games and watch your seven inning baseball. Okay. I mean, that's 
That's what's so uh, strange to me yeah. about it all. Just, but- oh, oh, never mind that like Zach Gallen had to spend uh, some time on the injured list because he injured himself while batting. Like that's this is the last time that Zach Gallen's going <laughs> to yeah, have to injure himself while batting. So yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, it really is. It really is like uh, whatever that season was uh, that was on Dallas that season where they just basically, you, you, you didn't I'm, have a TV I'm event. not going to, you know. You didn't have a TV event. But I think there was a season where they ended up like, okay, actually that season was just a dream. Like that whole season was a dream. Uh, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be like, oh yeah, that whole season didn't happen. Don't, as far as as far as pitchers hitting, you know. So, but all of that said, I don't want to make this sound like it, we're complaining at all because this season has been bountiful. It has yes. been such a joyous, wonderful early season. And uh, we'll start with your Phillies because let's just do that. You know. The Phillies got off to that crazy, crazy hot start. We're in first place, and I know you were like in heaven, and you also knew it wasn't going to last. Yeah, but um, I was just, I was just gathering my rosebuds while. Were I you, may. were you, were you just going like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy every moment of this, knowing full well it's not going to last. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, I didn't that's know. Exactly. Maybe you could have been saying like, hey, this might last. Actually, this might, this might go on. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, I I don't think I think that it is going to be such a slog in the NL East that though I think it's most likely to be Braves, Mets, Phillies, Nationals, Marlins in that order. I think that anything could happen, you know, particularly not anything. Well, that that Nationals team looks terrible to me. I mean, I'm just going to say I just think that that team just looks absolutely Dead in the water. I mean, not to mention, you know, Steven Strasburg. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, forgetting all that. And Miami, I mean, look, they somehow seem to be kicking around. I don't know what they're doing. But I do think... Well, if I talked about Zach Gallen, I should really talk about Jazz Chisholm, who's just, you know... Very exciting. Very exciting, yes. Uh, but but uh, yeah, I do think that, you know, but the Phillies get off to the 5-1 and one start and, and it feels really good. They're eight and eight now as we are speaking, and you know in true Philadelphia Phillies fashion. Yes. Five hundred. Yes. And and you know, they're they're kind of not doing anything all that well, right? I mean, like they're yes. you know but individually there's some exciting things happening. I mean, Nola really, you know, is this the year that Nola wins his Cy Young? Is he is he a Cy Young legit Cy Young candidate? He is, right? I think he's certainly a Cy Young candidate. I yeah. I know that it's so obviously like I love Aaron Nola more than any person that I don't know, and so it's it's but you hard do know from, him. I did meet you, him. You've met him. You there there and and there was it, and that's part of the reason why I love him. It's true. It's how nice he was to me when I met. <laughs> and him. it was a special exchange, yes, one that neither was. one of you will forget. <laughs> I'm sure he's forgotten it already. <laughs> No, not Aaron Nola. Not, not, that's, that's true. Maybe not Aaron Nola. No. Yes. So it's hard for me to be unbiased in answering that question. However, what I will say is that in his sort of previous Cy Young campaign in 2018, there were a lot of things that suggested that he was a little bit lucky that year. And so it's hard to necessarily project him to do that exact thing again. On the other hand, like his 
the way that he's using his pitching mix is different now than it was then. So maybe he does achieve that sort of same excellence, but he, you know, he does it without being extraordinarily lucky or maybe maybe he does both. It seems possible. But I will say that part of the reason why I love Aaron Nola so much, because I do love every baseball player for like their own particular reason. Sure. Is that he is so excellent and yet seems like a human. Uh, unlike, so for example, on uh, on my podcast, Take Me Into the Ball Game, when we did an episode on the X-Files. Sure. I did a segment called alien or not because the this that that episode posits that some really excellent baseball players all the most stratospherically excellent baseball players are actually aliens okay and so i sort of went down the list of like do we think that these players are aliens or not and aaron nola is definitely not an alien um, you know, he's not like Jacob deGrom somehow is like throwing faster than he ever has before. And yes, he's an alien who's constantly let down by his team. But like Jacob deGrom is an alien, a very lovable alien, but like clearly not of this earth. Whereas, So, wait, so he's Alf? N- not that kind of alien. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it, it feels to me like you're saying he's Alf. I mean, maybe Jacob deGrom likes to eat cats. I'm like, I'm not here to knock it. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's, that's the only fine. thing I know about Elf. Uh, I've yes. never actually seen an episode. That's my cultural osmosis. But yeah, I'm just <laughs> like sometimes Aaron Nola is going to pitch nine innings of, you know, 10 strikeout ball. And sometimes he's going to kind of labor through four innings and do okay versus the New York Mets in a double ha- header that I personally witnessed, but like not be the spectacular. So yeah. yeah uh, that's one of the things that I love about Aaron Nola. Okay, well, so you love the thing you love about Aaron Nola is that he's not always good. Is that like this is part of your 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 love for Aaron? There's Nola, some suspense it? about he's always good, but right? he's not always otherworldly. So there's ah. like some suspense about like is he is he going to battle through and you know give you a baseline quality start but not be spectacular or is right. he going to be otherworldly you don't know cuz he's a human he's not an alien i i i'm almost with you i i, I just, mean this is I like just... why i i loved stephen drew for being like so good at defense and then kind of like charlie brown when he came up to the plate like it's just different reasons why i love baseball players yes so you like players that have true weaknesses that you can relate to and make them feel more human. I don't know. Maybe it's not universally <laughs> true, but yeah, I mean, probably Aaron Knoll is just my favorite. Cause he's just my favorite. Like, so there's not a lot of hard hitting analysis behind. Uh, look, that. I, I think Aaron Knoll is just really, really good. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, the thing that I love about Aaron Nola, uh, this year in particular, and, and it's been something that he is, uh, uh, developed as as uh, the years have gone on, is uh, the guy doesn't walk anybody anymore. That's it. He just decided, yeah, enough of that walking <laughs> thing, you know, uh, which I really like. You know, I mean, you see his his walks per nine go down, uh, you know, over the last uh, two or three years. And uh, this year, three walks in four games. I mean, that's – I love pitchers that throw strikes. I mean, look, if I could have – one thing I, you know, there's, there's not one, um, 
well, there probably is not one quality specifically um, that I can uh, choose that makes me go, okay, well, that's the kind of pitcher I love. Because I like power pitchers, but I also like pitchers that that uh, that work the corners. I, you know, I mean, two of my favorite pitchers uh, ever are Greg Maddox and Pedro Martinez, and they're completely different, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I want pitchers that throw strikes. I, watching a pitcher, no matter how good... Uh, and and there are a few guys in 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 baseball now who I mean it's stunning and fun to watch them, but they you know they they oh they just nibble and 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 they're trying you know they get ahead oh and two and then it's three two and it's just oh it's yeah I I don't like that I like Aaron Nola just goes after you I I like that I you know and I think that is something he has developed over the last couple of years and. Uh, that has made that has that has raised him in my book. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, his command was not as good in his second and third starts this season. It was just clear that he was sort of under the ball a little bit. And so the the ball was basically landing much higher in the strike zone than for a person like me who is so used to where his pitches normally land. Right. And so sometimes that meant not landing in the strike zone when they normally did. And I mean, one thing, however, that was sort of satisfying uh, to me personally was in the very first inning of his game on Sunday, Larry Anders- Anderson, who is the, for those who don't know, the uh, color commentator for the radio broadcast uh, for the Phillies. And one of the reasons that uh, Scott Fransky is my celebrity crush is because of the way that he puts up with Larry Anderson. Sure. And Larry Anderson was opining that Aaron Nola does not have his two-seamer and that that is the pitch that makes him an elite pitcher. And I was just like, well, that's outright absurd um because i'm i I mean i know that like two seamers are not in vogue and i'm a big fan of aaron nola's two seamer because it has more sort of horizontal action than than vertical action and so it plays very well going to sort of the opposite side of the plate that his changeup does so it's nice to have it because it sort of offsets the changeup movements but it's very clearly like his curveball and his changeup that make him the elite pitcher that he is and yeah he did not really throw his two seamer in the complete game shot out and he was just fine and it was very satisfying (laughs) does 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 scott ever just say to larry anderson like in the middle of some some sort of thing that he is he is he's babbling about ever just say like uh hey man you got traded for jeff bagwell i mean just 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 it doesn't even have to lead anywhere just say that just hey you got traded for jeff bagwell all right the man on second and third two outs i just go right on just go on and just in the middle because that feels cuts you off at that point that's that feels like that's good does this sound familiar you've got one device that lets you catch the game live another that lets you stream your favorite shows you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login (laughs) for the good stuff well i want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your tv together it's called direct tv stream and it brings your live tv and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. Yes, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. 
That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA, that's game. It's like game five of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks Suns in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side, found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. By the way, since since I'm talking about this, I am going to mention my, uh, you know, I don't feel like I probably have the right to call you know, pitcher crushes, you know, the way you do. Uh, I mean, uh, I call him my boyfriend. <laughs> I know. I definitely don't feel like I can go there. I mean, you know, look, I'm not opposed, but I but I don't feel like it works for me. Uh, but I, I love me some Corbin Burns. I just got to tell you, I, I mean, that is that has been the guy. And of course, he is, you know, we just talked about, you know, no walks. I mean, he has no walks. Literally, he has 30 strikeouts, no walks this year. Uh Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers. But you is... cannot always have loved it because he used to have like a totally horrifying whip. I don't remember. It was like 1.8 well, that one year, or something. He had, the, he had the one year where he was absolutely dreadful, where he literally gave up. Uh, I'm uh, looking it 11... up and it was 1.84. Uh, so sometimes a, I do remember that, things. <laughs> that was the year that he gave up 11 home runs in his first four games. 11 home runs in like 18 innings or something. Uh, and, uh, and, and then he's like, Hey, you know what? I ought to develop a sinker. And, uh, that, that has worked out really well for him. Um, but he is so fun to watch. Oh, I mean, there, we're going to talk about a bunch of guys that are so fun to watch. And that's the thing that's so amazing about this year is not only is there just a lot of really interesting storylines going around baseball, but there are players out there that are just, it's just a blast. I mean, just an absolute blast across Across the league. So we'll just start in the NL East. I mean, you know, I know that you're just uh, we, we know how you feel about those uh, those Atlanta Braves uh, and, and you're not uh, you don't love them. Uh, you know, it, it's it's fair to say you don't I do love not love Braves. the Atlanta baseball team. No, no. You would write that book. I do not like Atlanta <laughs> baseball. I do not like them. Sam, I am. You would do that. Yeah. It, as long as the as long as the book does not end with me being convinced to like them. <laughs> That would be so great. No. That would be so great. You've got like John Scherholz is, is uh, Sam I am. Is John Scherholz I am. And he's just like, no, wait, but do you not like Acuna in a boat? You know, just like just doing all this other stuff. I'm sorry, Ronald Acuna Jr. This is, it's, it's, he has gone to a different place. He's just gone to an absolutely different place. What a joy to watch that guy play. Yeah. Well, I'm. I think this was maybe as of this past weekend that I was hearing the stat, so it may not be true anymore, especially since he's uh, been dealing with some kind of oblique injury, I think. Yes. Um, Not super serious, just like a sort of out of the lineup for a second situation. Anyway, that he had accounted for 43% of the Atlanta baseball team's like runs or RBI. Yeah. He has 21 RBIs. and I mean, uh, 16 RBIs and 21 runs scored. That is 37 of their uh, runs. 
And of course, you, you're double counting, but it's still, they, they scored 81 runs this year. So he has scored 26 of those and he's driven in another 16 of those. So yeah, there you go. That's, that's pretty good. It that's emotionally good. feels like more runs than the Phillies have scored. That's <laughs> maybe not true, but that's what, it, that's the emotional The Phillies feeling. have scored 57 runs. So you're not that far off. He is, <laughs> he is responsible for 42 runs and the Phillies have 57. Uh, that's yep. not that. I, but I mean, look, we all knew that that he, you know, has unlimited talent. He was the number one prospect. He was, you know, fantastic rookie. He was a near MVP candidate already. Um, but this is this is this is absurd, is what he's doing now. I mean, now it's like now it's like Mike Trout absurdities. I mean, and obviously it's early, and and you figure he'll he probably is not going to hit four nineteen for the year or whatever. But Wow. Just wow. Yeah. I mean, he's an alien. So, for yeah. example, yeah. That, on our, that, that was something. being an alien. Not yeah. like Alf. Yeah. No, not More like, like Alf. More like Starman. More like Starman. The, the model in the X-Files episode is that, ah. is that you know, super intelligent, uh, brilliant, especially physically abled aliens can disguise themselves as humans and ah. they are the best baseball players. So... Yes, they look like humans because they've disguised their alien form, but they are they're just better than any person could be. So this was like very obviously it was one of the first questions is Ronald Acuña an alien and the answer is yes. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think yeah. I could see him being a uh, you know, this is what Mike calls a Terminator. He just has Terminator people. Um Yeah, I mean I say it with the utmost respect. Like Mike Trout is the prototypical alien. But but Mike Trout is not an alien in the sense of, uh, you know, they're the humanity of you would never an alien would never end up on a team that never makes the playoffs. Like it, like if he's like he's just that's what that's that's what humanizes him. That and his love of the weather. No, I think the weather him- I was I was afraid you were going to say this <laughs> and I'm going to disagree with you. I think the weather is the thing that an alien would choose if no, they wanted no. to seem like a person. <laughs> and they're like, I need to have an interest. What interest shall I have? Ah, I know I will be very interested in the weather. Like I and I I'm saying this again with the utmost respect. Like, thank you for deciding to live amongst us, Mike Trout. Thank you for deciding to live amongst us. Ronald Acuna Jr. I think like I appreciate them um, I, but they're see, just I, another class of, I, of being I know because I know people who I know for a fact are not aliens uh, who who are fascinated by the weather they're boring people and they're dear friends of mine but they're still boring they would tell you they're boring <laughs> um, but they're people because I don't think like an alien would 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 have recalculated and figured out what the coolest thing is to you know, to so to basically throw people off the scent, they'd be like, "Oh, how about those Kardashians?" You know, they would just do whatever, whatever the whatever the uh, the system tells them would actually make them fit in with society. Definitely saying that I am fascinated by the weather, and me and my family text each other about weather patterns. That it's too weird for an alien to come up with. Like it's too, it's too human. I, I, don't I think, think that's what makes it perfect. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one point. Joe. On Mike Trout. I know it's, it's crazy, <laughs> but here's the thing. Okay. So Mike Trout, nobody is noticing because nobody ever notices, but Mike Trout is like off to one of his greatest starts ever. Right. I mean, cause he's just, cause he's Mike Trout. 
And he's hitting 354, 492, 688 uh, with, with uh, you know, homers and, and all the other things that he does. All right. So he's just off to this, this amazing start. But it feels to me like now there are guys like Acuna, certainly like Mookie Betts, like, you know, Tatis, if he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Juan Soto's in that conversation. Juan Soto's in the conversation, certainly as a hitter. I mean, the thing with Juan Soto is it's he True. really is that Ted Williams thing, right? He's, yeah. he, he, he's all hit, you know. Uh, but still, but Ted Williams isn't a bad, you know, player to, to <laughs> be compared to, 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 be yeah. compared to right? <laughs> um, who I think are all sort of working their way into that conversation. Mike Trout does not get to be the best player in baseball forever. It's like it's it's not you don't get that. I think he's he's going to fight for that spot and I don't think he's lost it yet. But I I think that thing is a little bit up for grabs and this year is the year that it feels like several challengers are, you know, not that it matters. I mean, it's not like a golf tournament where one person wins, but but I think there are several challengers to Mike Trout's uh uh you know, greatest player in baseball lock that he's had for almost a decade now. Uh, and I think that Acuna is like, what about me? I, that's what's so interesting to me. I apologize for, I was like, I should just look something up on fan graphs. And then, yeah, uh, sorry for the ghost in the machine. Uh, well, I closed the, um, I don't know if you heard the person speaking to us through the computer. I heard nothing. Oh, yeah, I can't, I can't look up something on fan graphs. All right, never mind. <laughs> Not allowed. <laughs> Not allowed. That yeah, sounded I, like Paul Sporer to me. Hi, Paul. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, we didn't hear any of that. Oh, okay. All right. It was but just good to me. News, the good news is uh, that uh, we've now told everybody about it. So, so they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're all caught up. They're all caught up. So uh, the thing that I was going to say um, is, and I just sort of, I wanted to uh, take a look. And, and I think that this is, it's actually not a terribly new or original thing to say, is it depends on how much you count stolen bases as part of like what makes a player fantastic, which to me, this feels like a fantasy baseball conversation, which I understand is not, not one that you yourself are particularly interested in because stolen bases are like sort of useful to a team, but not actually exceptionally useful. They're far more interesting to people who play fantasy baseball. So I feel like for, for in that conversation, given that, Mike Trout only stole one base in 2020. Granted, it was a shorter season, but an 11 in 2019. Like, I don't think this makes him a less overall excellent player in terms of what the Angels are going to get out of him. But uh, obviously, a player like Ronald Acuna has sort of surpassed him in that particular arena. Well, what I would say is I don't I don't care about stolen bases in that regard. I mean, of course, I care about them. They're fun and... And I wish there were more of them in baseball and all that. Base running is crucial. Like, I think that yes. is an underappreciated and underestimated part. Obviously, there was a time when Mike Trout was the best base runner in baseball. I mean, just flat out the best. And then for a very long stretch of period of time, he was very valuable as a base runner. He's less valuable as a base runner. He just is. Not the stolen bases, but it's going first to third, going second to home, going first to home on a double, um, you know, just being able to take extra bases, uh, you know, being able to, he just, it's, he's becoming a different player because his, you know, he's getting older, his body's changing. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's improved. 
he's so much better in other places. I mean, he never swings at a bad pitch anymore. And, and, you know, he's, he's, there are certain things that he does better than ever. I mean, the guy, the guy is led, you know, he's going to lead the league and on base percentage, you know, pretty much every year. Um, and he's a great player, but you know what? I mean, it's not just that he's not really a plus defender in center field anymore. I mm-hmm. mean, I think he's probably average or potentially below. I think he'd be a gold glover in one of the corners, but you know, you put him in center and he's, and he's, he's fine. He's not, he's not, you know, great. And I think that, I mean, the Phillies would take his defense in center. Well, as, <laughs> Never as mind would, his offense, obviously, as, but like, as, they just as with his, the Yankees, I think the Yankees would take his defense, defense in center take too. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, he's, it's not, a, a, this is, this is Mike Trout appreciation show, right? I mean, there, I'm not, there's a, no way, shape or form any knocks. It's just, he's becoming a different kind of player. And, and it is interesting because Basically, the argument that you made for Mike Trout as a young player surpassing whoever it is, Miguel Cabrera for the MVP that year, uh, or somebody else for best player, Albert Pujols. I mean, that they didn't really cross, but whoever you're trying to surpass, the argument was he does everything. That's that was his argument, right? He's a great offensive player. Uh, he hits with power. He steals bases. He's amazing on the base pass. He's a great outfielder. He does everything and that's not as true anymore that's that that part is not as true anymore he he is still uh, an amazing hitter in some ways a better hitter than he's ever been mm-hmm. uh and and so that you know lifts him up but the, the the defense and the base running are you know they're getting closer to league average and and that just i just think it opens the door uh, to me, I mean, and you—that's the thing about Acuna—is like, what doesn't that guy do? I mean, he's oh my just, goodness, you know, he just does absolutely everything, everything. Uh, and and I'll tell you what—I mean, I wrote this a little bit last year, uh, and and I think it, it goes to another place now. He's not, you know, he's he's not just destroying the ball early, but what the heck doesn't Mookie Betts do? Uh, in, I mean, it's. They put him in center field. He's just a gold glove center fielder. It's like, they're like, oh, okay, just, hey, can you move over to center and take over for our guy? Yeah, how about this? I'll make a game-saving catch. That'll blow your mind. And, uh, I mean, he just does everything. And I, I just, I just, I think there is a certain segment, and I am one of these people who is likely to be one of those, you know, one of the group in that segment. I don't want to be, but I think there are people in that segment that are like, Mike Trout is the greatest player ever well the greatest player today until further notice until (laughs) i until i have decided he is no longer the greatest player and that's all well and good and that's fine and mike trout should have that kind of support because he's he's a joy and a wonder and and i i couldn't have a higher regard for him but i'm just saying there are guys catching up and and maybe getting ready to surpass him yeah i mean i would just like to note that ronald acuna basically has a one-to-one strike strikeout to walk That's ratio crazy That's yeah crazy insane i mean it, it's like 13.9 percent k and 12.5 percent walk so it's not quite but it's very close no, it's, yeah yeah it's ugh, bananas he's he's so good he's so, he's so good. good and the and the great thing is that the brave sign of seven year 12 dollar deal so that's really good did you hear who was it the other day that was like oh it was a rod 
A-Rod was praising the Braves yes. for oh my locking God. him up to that horrendous Yes, deal. yes. Well, because I was, that was, that would have been that sort of uh, famous slash infamous Phillies Braves game. And I was already <laughs> so on edge because I was having to watch, excuse me, I slipped. I was having to watch the Phillies play the Atlanta baseball team yes. and having to hear their like racist chop cheering right, and right, having right. to hear A-Rod with his just like I, I'm I'm inarticulate with how angry everything that he says makes me. And then at that point I was like, this is this has gone a little too far, even for A-Rod. Like this right. is the moment right. in the movie when the villain kicks a dog. And you're like, <laughs> we knew you were the villain. You didn't have to kick a dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A-Rod celebrating uh, players getting absolutely jobbed in deals is not one of my favorite things. And I mean, it's really, I don't know. I mean, we, we could discuss the definition of the word irony, but I don't know what could be more opposite than Alex Rodriguez yes. being happy that a team underpaid a player. Alex Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah. Oh, just. Ugh. 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 All right. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that other than to say this. All right. I'm going to say this. because I, I wrote this the other day and I want to just say this. I am giving a special podcast shout out to Joe Davis uh, of the Dodgers broadcaster. He is so good at this. I just want to say this. I'm not saying that any national network that covers baseball ought to have Joe Davis as their national broadcaster for the World <laughs> Series. I'm not saying that. Like, that is that is not my decision. I'll go ahead and I, say it. I mean, it's obviously not my decision, but I'll go ahead and say it. <laughs> He's so good. I'm telling you, he. I, I, I obviously caught him quite a bit on the Dodgers-Padres series. And, you know, I always knew he was good. I wrote, you know, that, look, the, he took an impossible job. He replaced Vin Scully. It's mm -hmm. impossible. It's absolutely impossible. And he is absolutely living up to Vin Scully. He's that good. I, I just think he's that good at this. He's phenomenal. I mean, yeah. obviously, I I have my biased love for my celebrity crush, Scott Fransky. And as we have discussed on this podcast, I also really do love Jason Benetti. I think he is excellent. Oh, yeah. Look, Jason's wonderful. Jason's one of my best friends. I mean, I, Jason's a, a great a great broadcast. So there are a bunch of great broadcasts. Look, Dwayne Kuyper is my hero. I mean, there's a bunch of really, really good ones. And I'm not saying that Joe Davis is the best of them all. I mean, I think they're, you know, each of them bring their own, their own special talents. I'm just saying that Joe Davis actually does work for that network that I'm not going to mention that it runs the World Series. Right. And, uh, and it'd be and, easy to slot him in. Oh, he's so, he brings such joy to the game. I'm happy listening to him. And by the way, happy listening to Scott Fratsky uh, do baseball too. And, and of course, Jason Benetti and, and, uh, Boog, Shambi. I mean, mm -hmm. there are a bunch of guys. Yes. I love Dan love Schulman. I, there, are, there are a bunch of guys that I think are really good. Um, but, but yes, as long as we're, just lightly suggesting something. I was going to say dreaming and scheming, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Are you, you? I assume you're thinking of his Mookie magic call when when uh, Mookie made that well, astonishing play. It was it was the cap to a perfectly called game, is what it was. I mm -hmm. mean, it was just it was such a wonderful game. Everything about it, but then the Mookie magic call was just wonderful. It was just wonderful. Uh, it's it's that's what made me think of it. Was us talking a little bit about Mookie. Um, He's just, 
I don't know. I, you know, it's funny. I, I go around the horn a lot and listen to a lot of different broadcasts. And I have my own very strong opinions about broadcasters that I will not share because I don't think that's fair to, I, I drop in on a broadcast and go, Ugh, or I drop in on a broadcast and go, oh, that's really good. But what I will say is, and I think it's obviously easier to do this for a local broadcast than it is a national broadcast because you're broadcasting to your fans and you know the team and all of those reasons. Still, there's a joy that comes across in so many of these broadcasts that is absent on national broadcasts. Mm. And I, at least for me, at least for me as a, as a fan. And again, I understand it's different. You've got to be down the middle on a national broadcast, but I'm not even talking about just being able to make, you know, super happy calls when your guy hits the home run or, or whatever. There's just this, there's just this sense of, of, I don't know, timing and, 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 and putting things together this sense that it's important but not important at the same time, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And I and look, I, I really don't want this to come across like I'm anti Joe Buck, I, and and I I know that it might. I know there are a lot of people that are anti Joe Buck. I am not. I think Joe Buck is a fantastic announcer. I don't love him on baseball. Uh, I think he's actually a fantastic football announcer. I think he's really good on other things that I've seen him do. He's fine on baseball. I'm not down on him. But I think that broadcast has gotten dry and and I would love to see a little just a little more fun. You know, it's and and Joe Buck's a fun guy. I mean, he has a sense of humor, but it doesn't really I don't know. Something about the rhythm just doesn't feel. Plus, I'm sorry. I also don't want a broadcaster that's going to leave in the middle of the World Series to go do a Thursday night game between you know, Houston and, and, and Jacksonville. I mean, I just, that's, that's another problem I have, but anyway, this has gotten off track. I did not mean for this to be an anti Joe Buck thing. And, and, and I don't want it to be, I do want to say I am president of the Joe Davis fan club though. I think he's fantastic. Excellent. I'll purchase a membership. You should be, you should be, I'll, I'll get, I'll get a Scott Fransky membership. Great. We're both, we're both all, We're both. Which one's more expensive? Which fan club is a, a little more expensive? I would assume the Joe Davis one because yeah. the Dodgers. Oh, yeah, that is that is true. Although for a long time uh, you couldn't see the Dodgers on TV, so maybe the maybe the uh, they they just uh, don't even have a fan club. I don't even know. Um, the people show up over- late for the fan club and they leave early. <laughs> <laughs> they leave early. Yeah. People, although man, you you could get yelled at at the Scott Fransky fan club. Let's be honest here. I mean, Not could, no uh, no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I oh, mean yeah. no no. I mean <laughs> Philadelphia fans, yes, but like Scott Fransky himself is. No is no the no. Most he would gentle. be up there. He would be gentle soul, but uh, you're you know he's not the only one in the room. I'm That's sorry. true. You're right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you're very right. Although I just want to mention that okay, like go ahead go ahead Yankees fans have Ugh. thrown more things Ugh. on the field wow. in the last wow. year than yes. Philadelphia fans have yeah. in the last decade. Look, look I, think, I was... I think this... I mean, I think it's partly a situation where Eagles fans are certifiably crazy. And I think that <laughs> Phillies fans sort of get lumped in with Eagles fans. And yes, there's some overlap. But there's some overlap. Phillies fans get blamed for things that Eagles fans do. And well, it is I, not true that like Phillies fans have thrown batteries at people in this century. I, I don't even want, I I didn't want to go here, but I will go here. Philadelphia fans in general get a bad rap. 
I, I was joking because it's so it's just it's a it's, it's a an fun, easy it's, it's a, an easy joke to it's make. An easy, yeah. It's an easy joke and it's a fun joke. Uh, but Philadelphia fans absolutely get bad rap. I I, I remember when I was in Kansas City uh, as a columnist there, and you would always hear about the Philadelphia fans and then oh, how gentle the Kansas City fans. No, no. If you ever go to a Kansas City Chiefs game, <laughs> there is no difference, none between Chiefs fans and Phillies fans, none. I mean, and uh, and Eagles fans rather. None. And you go to a, a Pittsburgh game, you go to a Cleveland game, you go to, it's the NFL. Every one of these fan bases, they're tough and they're, and they're angry and there'll be a few that want to fight. And, and, and the whole, you know, booing Santa Claus thing was just, it's very funny. First of all, that, that uh, whatever, it's totally whatever Philadelphia. Version, it's, yes. it's, yeah. And whatever version of it happened, right. Because that's been played up. But I was, you know, I was growing up in Cleveland when Turkey Joe Jones uh, threw Terry Bradshaw on his head, literally flipped him over and pile-drived his head into the turf, oh, and the fans cheered oh, and threw God. snowballs as they were taking him off the field. So I'm telling you, there's no difference between... I don't buy it. I, I've always thought, oh, these fans are this way and these fans... Are I mean, look, there are slight differences but I don't buy any of that stuff. I really don't. So I, I did want to say that because that's actually a good rant for me to. Just yeah, no. Right and I, I appreciated it here. Yeah. And I think I was mostly annoyed because I was like, I feel like as a person from Philadelphia, I'm not allowed to impugn the behavior of Yankees fans <laughs> pelting the Tampa Bay Rays with balls. Yes, you can. Or, you can impugn. I mean, impugn away. Impugn I, away. When I'm like, I don't, I don't like it if people from Philadelphia are doing it. Like, I'm just not in favor of it in general. So, no, yeah. No. Yeah. No. And by the way, let, let, this is a perfect way to go into the Yankee Minute. Oh, great. Yankee Minute. Here's the thing. All right. So the Yankees, as we speak, are 5-10, and 10, and they've played worse <laughs> than that. They've played worse than 5-10. and 10. That is the evil laugh that Ellen Adair just uh, flashed. Oh, it's so delicious. It's, it's so wonderful. Uh, but here's here's what I would say. There are a couple of things I want to say about the Yankees, and I know there are many things you would like to say about the Yankees. But here are two things I want to say about the Yankees. One is the way that the fans have turned on this team this quickly mm-hmm. is kind of shockingly funny. It's like it's it's uh, this team has played terrible, and and I understand that, but. Wow. I mean, you want to talk about a, a lack of patience. I mean, what what the Yankees have not won enough for you fans? I mean, like 15 games into the year, you're like already like, oh, my God, this again. What? I mean, what? This is the first time since 1989 that they might not make the playoffs or whatever. I mean, uh, maybe just, I don't know, tone it back a little. I, it just it just seemed to me the way that the disgust is like the disgust of a team that is like, we haven't made the playoffs in 46 years yeah. or something. They're the Yankees. Just, ugh. All right, so that's very funny to me. Uh, yes. The second, the second thing that's funny to me, though, is it is only 15 games in, and uh, we know that they're the Yankees, which means that anything you say can and will be held against you in a court of law later, right? When when they win 27 games in a row and you're like, oh, remember when you said the Yankees stink? You're just, ah. Okay, so that's all, all out there. But with that in mind, this team looks terrible to me. Absolutely terrible. And I know it's 15 games in. And of course, I'm contradicting myself because on the one hand, I'm saying to the fans, hey, 
give them a break. On the other hand, I'm saying, no, don't give them a break because they're terrible. But they look horrible. I mean, they look lifeless. The The game they had Sunday where Garrett Cole was pitching mm-hmm. and and essentially – uh, um, you know, their, their defense was so bad that you could just see him in the middle of the game, like ready to be like, can I get my check here? Is there, is there a way for me to get out of this? I mean, Aaron Hicks was like, he, I, I wouldn't say he loafed on a fly ball, but he just didn't really go for it. And then he bobbled the ball. And then the next play, he lost the ball. And then the next play, Clint Frazier threw some sort of crazy ridiculous throw into the infield that like sailed over five cutoff people. I mean, like this is like a single a team. What the heck is happening here? And look, they've still got great players. We all know that Aaron judge and blah, blah, blah. But suddenly they're playing Runetto Odor. They're playing him. I mean, they're not, they didn't just bring him in, which is bad enough since the Rangers paid a billion dollars to get rid of him. They're playing him. He's playing their rotation suddenly is like, wow, that rotation looked interesting in the offseason. But now suddenly it's like, wow, that's a bunch of 30-something guys that weren't haven't been good for a while. That that doesn't look like a promising rotation. Um, yeah. That team looks shaky, really shaky to me. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I sort of – I have uh, – trying to be as neutral as I possibly can, I have greater hopes for Jamison Tyone. And it could be because he's not been a Yankee for very long that, like – I'm still able to see Jameson Tyone, the human being inside the White Walker. Uh, <laughs> it won't. It won't last long. And I know. I know it won't last long. But like, I can. You can still see his humanity. So I'm like, yeah, but Jameson Tyone. He hasn't pitched in like like three years. I mean, it's he might come back, but there's no reason to believe he definitely will. Come no, back. no. But I I feel like he might. Whereas, like personally, obviously, like. Corey Kluber is a is a delightful robot, but like I have been very anxious about Corey Kluber for a while. I think yes. since since the since Cleveland shipped him to Texas for Emmanuel Class A, I was like, I feel like Cleveland knows that something is going on here, or they would have sure. tried to get something better for Corey Kluber. So I'm not saying he's done. It could just be confirmation bias. I totally get it, but then. You know, I mean, one of their games against the Rays was sort of a bullpen game, wasn't it? Yeah. Because then yeah. they've got they've got Jordan Montgomery. They've got Jordan Montgomery. And then who, it's, but it's sort of like, well, but who, I mean, I guess they're waiting for Severino to come back. Even so. Like, yeah. Even so, even once he comes back, and I realize, like, my team is the Phillies, and so I don't really have a leg <laughs> to stand on. But, like, they're at least their four and five guys are not going to be particularly solid. I don't. I don't feel good about their two, three, four, or five guys. I mean, I've, you know. Yeah, it's true. I mean. Cole is Garrett Cole. I mean, is is Jordan Montgomery their number two guy? Do you feel like, do you feel going into a year like, yeah, we're winning a World Series with Jordan Montgomery as our number two? I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't feel great to me. Well, I mean, it's coming back from Tommy John surgery, so obviously you can't pencil anything in. But like Severino is who I would say their number two would be if he's like even Assuming he comes back. Right, but coming back from Tommy John surgery. is I mean, unpredictable, yeah. But then there's other things. There are other things that are going on here. Obviously, uh, the fact that, uh, that that Aaron Judge is going to get hurt and always does. The, and possibly the, the, also Giancarlo Stanton. Well, Statistically here, speaking. Well, 
he's probably going to get hurt. But here's the thing about Giancarlo Stanton. He's just not been good for them. He's just, since they got him, yeah, he had that first year where he was okay because he played a full year and he hit 38 home runs. Uh, but he, you know, it was it was an 852 OPS that first year, which is fine. I mean, it's certainly good, but it's not, you know, it's not, you know, however much money they're paying for him. Yeah, and of because course they paid for his career year, basically, is what happened. Well, that's what that's right. They paid for his career year and when he was absolutely incredible, when he had 59 home runs. Other than that year, he has been up and down and up and down and up and down. And he was already 27, 28 years old when they got him. And he looks terrible at the plate. And again, when he hits it, he hits it, right? Yeah. I mean, he's always going to have the number one uh, exit velocity hit every year because when he connects, nobody, nobody in baseball hits the ball as hard as he does when he connects, okay? And, you know, look, I like the guy. Even as a Yankee, I like the guy. And I want him to be healthy and do this. But they've got, after this year, there's another, what, eight years left, seven years left on that contract. He's 31 now. This thing could be, I mean, it. we are talking potentially epic Albert Pujols-like uh, uh, issues when it comes to him getting older. Well, it's really a lose-lose proposition because, uh, and it's early in the season, and I have sure. more to say about that in just a second, but like right now he's batting 176. Right. However, like he did have a couple of home runs over the weekend, sort of like blasts, r- blasts that were yep. bright spots for the Yankees. He has three home runs on the season. However, every time that he hits a home run, everybody has to listen to that John Sterling oh, call. That Stantonian that home run thing. Stantonian oh home run doesn't bother me. It's the non si do parlo. It's like using Italian <laughs> for a player of African, Puerto Rican, and Irish descent. It doesn't make any sense. It just, it's just terrible. It's just, just stop. Okay. Just All right, stop. so we've we we've spent some time talking about announcers. So here's my question. At this stage of his career and life, because every single thing I know about John Sterling is that he is a delightful person. Every person I know who knows John Sterling, and I've known, I've met John a couple of times. Everything I know about John, people love John Sterling. They just love him. They think he's the greatest guy in the world. So with that in mind, with considering that he is a good guy, considering that he's been doing this act for 20 plus years, I mean, maybe more than that. Uh, I remember him when he was with the Braves, which was, which was kind of interesting. But he's been doing this act for so many years. At some point, does this unbelievably over-the-top home run call Yankee win thing ever become to the point where you just go, all right, you know, that's part of baseball now. Just it's, it's, I've, I've, I've given up being angry about it. I've given up sort of being annoyed by it. It's just a part of baseball. Does that ever happen for you? No, I thought, I thought you were leading all of this up to say, does it get, reach a point where, where like his family and his loved ones stage an intervention and they sit down with him and they say, look, you can still be an announcer for the Yankees, but you've just, you've got to stop it. You got to stop these, this. You got to stop with this these thing. personalized think, home run calls, think... unless you get a, like you, you, secretly you could get a ghostwriter to write some better ones. That would be But fine. here's the thing. At some point, there's a part of me that thinks he's trolling all of us. That he's just like going, oh, I could say anything. You know, there's that famous story. I mean, once uh, he said, I don't know who Fangraphs is, I almost don't know what else to think. I just, there's a great story. I don't know if it's true, but I believe it to be true. 
that Paul McCartney was once having an argument with uh, with some people, uh, some friends, where he basically said, I could write anything and it would become an, uh, a number one hit. Mm. And they were like, no, no way. And then he said, yeah, I could. And then he wrote that song, Somebody's Ringing the Bell, Somebody's Knocking on the Door, and that became a number one hit. <laughs> um, and I do wonder if like, at some point he's like, I could literally say anything and it would be fine because I'm John Sterling and they're the Yankees and Yankee fans will eat up whatever I say and do. And and uh, so I do wonder at times if he's not trolling us, but if he's just like, I can go off the edge. What difference does it make? He's at the stage of his career and his life where it's like, eh, what difference to me? I can do whatever I want. I don't know. There's a part of me that almost has come to appreciate it. Great. I'm glad. Perhaps then that you're you're giving me life and hope for future years. And I think that there's <laughs> definitely, I mean, the, 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 the analogy that of course occurred to my brain is I was like, oh, there are definitely scenes that Shakespeare wrote where he was like, yeah, I'm going to get away with this. Yeah, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> at, at this point, what, what are they, I'm Shakespeare. What are they going to do? What, what are, are they going to do? do? What yeah. are they going to do? Yeah. Who else are they going to go to? Yeah. This is it. I'm the only guy. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I remember, uh, you know, the the I came up with the expression uh, to jeterate uh, somebody, uh, which is to give somebody credit for things that they had nothing to do with. Yeah. And and I came up with that expression listening to John Sterling and uh, Susie uh, uh, doing their game. Uh, I was we were riding back from Cooperstown and it was a game where essentially they were going on and on and on and on about Derek Jeter. He was on third base and he got caught in a rundown. But during the rundown, he like waved to like the players on the bases like, come on, come on, man, go to third, go to third. I'll, I'll stay in this rundown long enough so you can go to third, which, of course, who cares? He got caught in a rundown in the first place. I mean, he, he made the out. And they were just praising him on, oh, there's the captain. That's why he's the captain. That's why, oh, just, that's what literally inspired me to, to, uh, to, to come up with the term jeterate. And uh, I think, you know, so that was probably the low point for me on the whole uh, John Sterling act. But I, I am now, I'm kind of coming around to a point where it's almost like, you know, I, like like sort of the way that I have nostalgia for terrible things when I was younger. Mm. I, I kind of have... I have a sort of premature nostalgia for for the John Sterling calls. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, it, it maybe. feels to me like you're getting to a place almost where you're like, is this camp? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, that's right. Or or yeah, potentially like, is this art? Is we, this when art? we we uh, on our podcast talked about uh, the TV movie Aunt Mary about the first female little league coach in Baltimore and uh and there's a very long sequence in which the young boys lip sync like an entire song to her in the middle of this tv movie where of course time is precious and of the essence and like as I was watching it that was a thought that I had was like it went on for so long that I was like is this art like I felt like I was a little bit in a in a screening room at MoMA you know like on one of those little uncomfortable block chairs watching it you know and like you're all by yourself in the room and somebody comes in and and they they like look in the room and then they decide no no I don't want to have anything to do with this particular piece of installation art yeah so maybe maybe that's the hope for John Sterling it might be we might we might just find that that is art yeah I probably not probably, probably not, not. And by the but way maybe camp. We'll, 
we might or, or camp or or in a month I'll be like, you know what I said about John Sterling before? Never mind. I take it all back. He's driving me absolutely insane. Well, you're the canary in the coal mine. I, I think I'm the canary in the coal mine. That's right. I do want to say on on your first point that you made a while ago at the beginning of our Yankee Minute, I think that personally, the fan reaction to what has happened is part of what makes this moment so delicious to me. <laughs> so delicious. Because, of course, Yankees fans are normally, like, smug. And sure. it's so interesting the ways in which they want to simultaneously in this moment be smug. I'm sure that if I were to be like, hey, you know, the Yankees aren't so good right now, they'd be like, oh, well, 27 championships. How many of you got? Like, I'm sure that would eventually come into the conversation. But... That then they're also, they just catastrophize so easily. And it's yes. like, just leave the ballpark sadly, depressed for the rest of the day, like, like the rest of like us. Like the rest of us. Like yeah, this that's is the thing. This, like this, <laughs> the Phillies have not had a winning record since 2011. Like, yeah, yeah. it happens. Yeah. That no, just, I think that, I think that like the rest of us, the thing is that Yankee fans do not really believe they, they don't believe like they're the like the rest of us. Yeah, no. And, that's, that's and the... they've been proven right way more often than they've been proven wrong. So, you know, I, I, you know, I always have the, uh, the, the thing, who's the, who's the really, who's the dumb one, right? It's like, is the dumb one, the person who, who, uh, who, you know, hates the Yankees and, 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 and laments, you know, their, their success. Uh, or the guy who became the Yankee fan and uh, is celebrating uh, plenty. So, yeah, yeah. I I understand. I understand your point, <laughs> and I also understand you're not wanting to gloat because to me, also, I'm like, I think I'm enjoying it intensely, but I'm not sure that I describing describe it as like gloating. Well, I don't think you can gloat. I really don't think you can gloat because all those things that I said are, while I believe them to be 100 percent true. It 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 does not take a whole lot for that team to suddenly turn their their thing around. I mean, it's it's 15 games into the year. The Red Sox are in first place. No, I don't really buying that whole thing. I'm not I'm not buying that. I mean, it's there's so much season left, and I mean, it's 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 too it's it's the point of the season where I that I describe as it's too early to say that it's too early. So uh, you right. know, we're we're just it's it's nothing. Nothing has happened, but. But I, I understand in a sense. I do understand a little bit of the panic because that team looks really, really bad to me right now. Yeah, and I mean, I just feel like I know it's not going to last. So right. I just want to enjoy it while it's here. It's like it's a beautiful sunset with lots of stratified I, colors. I, like it is evanescent and beautiful, and we must take the time to pause and smell the Yankees' three thirty-three winning percentage. I guess that's true, but the problem is then. When they start winning, it you, there's no good memories of oh, remember when the Yankees were terrible and and we enjoyed that. Well, nah, you don't know. It's like because we were fooling ourselves. And I don't in, know about in, that. I don't know. I feel like to me, like it is. I keep on using the word delicious. It's like a delightful confection on the Great British Baking Show. Like imagine that there are beautiful Viennese whirls in front of you. So yeah. number one, eventually they're going to go stale. 
But like number right. two, what if you never get to eat Viennese whirls again? Like, will you not gonna, eat them? I would I, eat them, and I would I would treasure the moment the the memory I, of getting to eat a Viennese whirl, even if I, I never got to eat one again. In my life. I don't. I see. There you go. I think that's exactly what it's happening here. But you missed the main point, which is they are having these delightful Viennese rolls in front of you, and you smell them, but you might never eat them. That's that's my point. My point is that the, you only get to eat the rolls if the Yankees really are terrible. And you get to smell them now. And like, oh my gosh, we're going to get Viennese rolls. This is going to be great. And then the Yankees are going to win 20 games in a row. And then you're going to be like, oh, we didn't even get to eat those. They smelled so good. Ugh, we didn't even get to eat them. That's what I'm, that's my worry. That's my fear. But I will say again, I'm going to say this again because uh, I'm sorry. It needs to be said. They look terrible. All right. I'm just going to say it. They look terrible. We might get to eat the rolls. I'm not saying we will. I'm saying we might. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of its 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond, from iconic plays and arenas to the impact players have in the community. That's the NBA. That's game. Like in the NBA Finals when the Bucks had their backs against the wall, Drew Holiday steals the ball, pushes the break. Alley hooped to Giannis for an iconic slam. Seals game five and the eventual title. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Ready to take a trip? Hear about all the must-see places with Thrillist's new series, Get Out of Town. Brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. Go from the East Coast to the West and everywhere in between, like the best spot to grab a drink on the San Antonio Riverwalk. There's a million reasons to get out of town. The only hard part is choosing where to go first. Listen to Get Out of Town with Thrillist everywhere you get podcasts. Brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. All right, last baseball thing of our podcast. Oh, no. I know. It's so sad. We're coming to an end already. You know, Mike and I decided we were going to start making this thing shorter. Uh, we were going to do this in 75 minutes. That was the idea. We're not going to get 75 minutes, but we're going to still kind of keep it under two hours. We're going to keep it relatively short. I welcome you and Mike to do that <laughs> if you want. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I think that's good. Uh, we have talked the Dodgers and the Padres and how fun that series was and how Fun it will be again because they play again this week and then you begin to realize they're actually going to play a lot uh, when you play, you know, each team 19 times. Like, wow, this is going to happen an awful lot. But each game felt like something incredibly special. Uh, I think the Dodgers are every bit as good as advertised. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. They're just a ridiculous, ridiculous team. And, you know, they... They lose, uh, you know, one of their best players, and uh, it doesn't even matter. They're like, it's no problem. Like, We've got Zach McKinstry. He's like yeah, the, no, the newest Max Muncy. Like, yeah. it, sometimes like, it just feels like the Dodgers are rubbing it in. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's sort of like, oh, my gosh. You know, like anybody else loses Cody Bellinger, and he's not, you know, he, he'll be back soon enough. But any other team loses Cody Bellinger, and you're like, oh, man, that's what a blow. What a blow. And they're like. Not a blow. Not really. Not a, We'll be just as good without Cody Bellinger. And it's like, well, wait a minute. How can you be? Because well, we got a guy named Zach McKinstry who's going to be like really good. And they're like, who? 
What? Yeah. I, I don't understand. But who's going to play center? That guy can't. No, we'll move Mookie to center. Oh, okay. How good is Mookie in center? He's great. He's, He's great. better than Cody Bellinger. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, wait, what? Okay. Well, and then it's like, all right, well, who, who are you going to pitch? Like, well, who are we not going to pitch? I mean, basically we have like eight starters. They're all really great. Yeah. We're just going to move yeah. David Price to the bullpen, you know? Yeah, and then no he's just he's gonna get an RBI off of Jake Cronenworth. <laughs> it's like, like, wait, what? Everything about them is like a wait, what? It's like, yeah. wait, what? What are you doing? Yes, definitely. Like, For how? me, what when in that in that first game on Friday when Luke Rayleigh homered, I was like, like, who is Luke Rayleigh? <laughs> yeah, like, I consider yeah. myself to know a decent amount about baseball, and I was like, who is this person? <laughs> yes, there, there was that great. There was that great. Uh, enduring bit on Arrested Development where they would keep saying her, and that's like and that's how I feel about like every other Dodger. Like, him? Who? Him? Yeah, they're uh, they're really really good. But the Padres are, I, I think they're really good too. I the the thing is the Giants are kind of sneaking up in there, which is weird. It's early in the year and that might mm-hmm. just completely fall apart. Yeah. So right now the the Giants are actually in second place, um, but. At Padres' hand, of course, Tatis got hurt, and 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 you know he's he's sort of working his way back. But man, that Padres team—they're uh, they're another one of those teams that are like, oh yeah, I forgot they have him too. Yeah, like they, they've got like they've got a especially on the mound. You know, it's like oh yeah, that's right, that's that's right. They have Blake Snell. I forgot they got him uh, too. Yeah. Oh yeah, they've got you Darvish. Yeah, that's right. And oh yeah, then Joe Musgrove is now uh, Cy Young. So, um, oh Joe Musgrove. Do you love yourself some Joe Musgrove? I love Joe Musgrove so much. And it's just yes. it's just so, so satisfying because I just feel like everybody who loves Joe Musgrove, and obviously like he's shown in the last two Septembers like who Joe Musgrove could be. But sure. like for years we've been like, Joe, we love you, Joe. Just stop throwing that fastball. Like you have five <laughs> freaking pitches, my dude. And then he does that and he pitches a, you know, no hitter. All he does is ding Joey Gallo's knee. And yeah. yeah, so it's it is so delightful to see. And obviously that he's a San Diego guy, getting the first San Diego uh no hitter is also satisfying. But like, you know, my my long love of Joe Musgrove uh made it particularly satisfying for me personally. You know, you know who's kind of got me uh kind of fired up a little bit uh with the Padres, which I think is is kind of cool. Is uh, is Jurickson Profar right? Love Jurickson uh, Profar. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. That guy was supposed to. He was he was Ronald Acuna, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he was the number one prospect in baseball. He was going to be the biggest star in the game. He was like this unbelievable superstar for the Rangers. He came up at 19. He was going to be like, oh my gosh, this guy's gonna he's gonna do everything. Oh. <laughs> My dog also loves Jerickson Profar. Yeah, she, yeah, you know what? I all you have to say is Jerickson Profar, and and your dog. Will Thank you, Mabel. That's just how that Thank works. Thank you. <laughs> I love that you say thank you. To well, your that's dog. what Brandon McCarthy taught me to do on that's this very the, podcast, and, and you know what? I have to say it worked for about a year, and uh, oh wow, and it stopped working. Mabel, it it Mabel. never worked for our dog ever. There was never a point for our dog where saying thank you stopped him from barking. But he is up here now sleeping right next to me. So he's he's actually being a good guy. Oh, Wesley. Yes, delightful Wesley. Anyway, Jerickson Profar, he comes up at 19. He's uh, kind of terrible. 
for the Rangers. And then he gets hurt and he doesn't show up again until he's 23. And then he's kind of terrible. And then they're like, all right, well, this isn't, this didn't work. Sorry. You know, it's no good. They trade him uh, to Oakland in that big three, you know, team deal. And then Oakland kept him for like less than a year. And they're like, yeah, okay, get out of here. And they traded him to the Padres. And now he's like, look, he's good. He's like, he had a, he was, he was, he was quite good last year. He's, he's off to a pretty good start. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You know, just getting this kind of reaction from your dog is making me happy. She's Um, been, she just really has been a believer in him. She just, she thinks that, that like prospect pedigree, it just, it, it means she never quits a guy. Basically, but the thing—the thing about about uh, Profar is, like, he's kind of at the center of that team now. Like, he's he's the guy that's barking at Clayton Kershaw, and he's it like very satisfying, like yes. <laughs> which was very fun. He's kind of at the center of that team. I I I don't know. I just like the Jurickson Profar story. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's it's always delightful to see anybody that at one point you were like, oh no, you're hitting 172. What happened? Just sort of be a productive member of of a team. But I think, you know, he's definitely the kind of piece where you realize how much depth the Padres have. So that obviously I think, you know, we're all afraid that that Tatis might re-injure his shoulder and might sure. be might have to have surgery at some point. Who knows if that can wait all the way until this upcoming offseason or not. But just sort of like, yeah, but they're not they've got they've got somebody there um to fill that hole is part of what makes the Padres so strong. And yes, I mean to be very clear, like I the the games were delightful, but I'm fully on the Padres bandwagon at this point. I even bought myself an Austin Nola jersey. Oh, and I'm sure that was not because uh, of any relations or anything. I'm sure it was, it was pure, it was pure love. I I mean, yes. <laughs> it makes yeah. me feel like, it makes me feel like I, I can, I can have almost like more ownership over deserving to wear an Austin Nola Padres jersey. Sure. No, I'd see. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. Anyway, that team is, is, uh. It's fun. That team is fun. It's exciting. It's plus it's fun to watch a couple of old Royals and Hosmer and Myers sort of, uh, uh, keep, you know, kick things around with that team. Um, and Victor yeah, Caratini is so good at catching uh, no hitters. <laughs> yes, he's he is the no hitter king, which is which is really exciting. They're not nearly as good as the Dodgers. Nobody is, uh, but they do not seem in any way shape or form to be backing down from the Dodgers so I like that a lot. yeah we must all we must all root for them because they are like the really I think what you want to root for more than anything else is the very excellent underdog and that is what the Padres are so are can the Giants be that very excellent underdog I mean probably not I Probably just not. don't think they're as good as the Padres. I like no. the, obviously the Giants have done an excellent job of sort of making the most out of pitchers. And so, yes. you know, even though we can kind of look at their rotation and kind of be like, uh, well, Kevin Gosman and Anthony DeSclafani and yep. Aaron, Aaron Sanchez, Sanchez and, and Alex Wood. Who's kind of liked yeah. Alex Wood. And like and be like, well, I don't know. I still feel like even if the Giants are making the most of those pitchers, it does not equal to the Padres' rotation. And no. you know, well, and they they can't hit. They just can't hit. That that team is 
Unless unless Evan Longoria decides that he's the young Evan Longoria again, which I guess he is trying to do early on. Uh, I think the gi- Giants have done, I mean, considering that like Mike Yastrzemski has, I think is a better hitter than he has shown so far this season. And yet the Giants have the record that they do like, but yes. yeah, but they're not, but their record is not because they're hitting at all. Right. I mean, it's really, truly their pit. They're not scoring runs. And, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, look, Yastrzemski will probably go be, be better than he has been early. Uh, but I don't know that Longoria is going to be a 300, 600 slugging guy the rest of the year. I mean, that's, that seems a little bit unlikely to me. Um, but who knows? I mean, look, I, it's what, it's what baseball is. Baseball is made for surprises, made for surprise teams. All right. So I will now ask you this as we wrap this up, who is sort of like, who is your surprise team and who is your disappointing team so far? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I I don't know. I feel like the obvious surprise team has to be the Red Sox. At least that's just knee jerk. The first thing, like this is right. not what I thought that the Red Sox were going to do. And me either. Likewise, I will just gobble up these little cookies while they're in front of me, um, because I live in the moment. So, uh, and disappointing team, um, huh? That one feels a little bit more difficult. I was very sad with the way that the Oakland Athletics started out the season because we know. But then they won a bunch in a row. But then they won a bunch in the row. And so that has been very energizing for a person who loves the Oakland Athletics. Um, I don't, I don't know. Well, I'll give you mine. I'll give you okay. mine. Okay. And I'll, the, maybe, I maybe, I'll th- maybe I'll think about it. I mean, some part of me wants to be like, I think the, the Phillies last the- night. But yeah, that's not the real answer. <laughs> I think the Red Sox are the the surprise because of, of the way they play. But I mean, what about those Mariners? I mean, that has been uh, fun to watch. Yes, that absolutely that not. So they've been a, a very nice surprise. I'd say disappointing is in, and this is I'm just putting this sort of in an overall scale. Not that I thought they were going to be good necessarily, mm. but the Nationals and the Cubs have both played very bad baseball. I mean, yeah. I, the Cubs can't. The Cubs can't drive anybody in. I mean, the Cubs are hitting like 003 with, you know, runners in scoring position or whatever. And that Nationals team feels to me like a mess. I mean, they feel to me like they're they're going to be, I mean, uh, you know. Trey Turner just keeps trying to win games for them single-handedly. <laughs> well, th- th- that team is hitting. I mean, yeah. they really are hitting. I mean, they, they, you, you look around. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that Josh Harrison isn't going to hit 440 for the year, but I mean, you know, you know Combs is hitting and Ryan Zimmerman's hitting way better than you could have thought. And obviously Soto's always hitting and Trey Turner's hitting and uh, even Sterling Castro's hitting. Okay. I mean, they're, they're hitting um, their, their pitching is, is, you know, not great to say the least after Max Scherzer, it's uh, kind of disastrous. I mean, I don't, really know what's going to happen with Patrick Corbin but uh, yeah. obviously that's that's not been a great start. Yeah, I don't know. I am I am heartbreaking. Concer- it's just his velocity is, you know, not yeah, where it down. was. And so that's But they feel to me like, you know, every year uh there's a team that feels to me, you know, we, we've discussed and I will continue to discuss I don't love fantasy baseball or even like it. I'm not, I'm not opposed to anybody doing it. It's just not for me. And part of it is that the gathering of stars doesn't feel to me consistent with what I think about with baseball. Like, I, I feel like 
I feel like that's the way the angels have been trying to do it forever. Mm. And, you know, and I think it's, it's a, it's a road to nowhere to try to, when you have like three or four really great players and then a bunch of like not so great players and then a bunch of fill-ins that you change out. But they have David Fletcher as we've discussed. Yes. Well, I I was counting him as one of their three or (laughs) four great great, players. Um, So uh, that's what the Nationals starting to feel like to me. I mean, they feel like, you know, you've got Scherzer and you've got uh, Soto and you've got uh, Turner and then you got like a bunch of guys that uh, not so great. And, and uh, you know, and with Strasburg hurt that that team just feels that 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 they feel like they they feel like they might have to start over kind of kind of thing. Mm. And then the Cubs, I, you know, I came into this year thinking the Cubs were not going to be very good. Obviously things can still turn around for them. Um, but they're doing nothing well right now. I mean, they're, they're yeah. obviously not, not hitting with runners. Score. I mean, they're hitting 192 as a team, so that's not going to get it done. So they're, it's not just with, not with runners in scoring position They're They, they don't hit either time. Um, but then you look at that rotation and it's Jake Arietta, which, you know, he's actually pitched okay, but you're like, eh, yeah, is but that going to work? Yeah. Not for, not for a long term. And Kyle Hendricks is getting, you know, roughed up this year, which is no fun. And Trevor Williams, that is that going to work? Probably not. And Zach Davies, you know, they were counting on him and Kimbrell has actually been good, yeah. um, out of the pen. But anyway, that those two teams, I, I don't know if it's fair to call them the most disappointing, but they're they're the teams that, other than the Yankees, which obviously is the most fun part, they're the teams that I I sort of have looked at the first three weeks of the year and thought, Ugh, I I don't I don't like the way those teams look at all at all. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. I think it's probably just that I, unless I'm looking at the Phillies, I tend to be looking at like, oh, what's the nice <laughs> thing to look at as opposed yes, to like, what's right. the thing that's going to be depressing to look at is probably why it was a harder uh, question to answer. But yeah, I think I think the Cubs are probably the most disappointing to me. I mean, although I don't, I don't know, coming into the year, whether or not there were maybe higher expectations for the Cubs or the Nationals, probably the Cubs, I guess. Probably the Cubs. I don't given think the- either one, there was super high expectations. I don't think either one came in as, but I think most people probably thought the Cubs were going to compete in the Central. And they still they might. Because they won last year. You know, they like won the division. Yeah. Although, I mean, it was a crazy season know, and everything, but crazy. still. Like, and yes, yeah. obviously they have lost some very important pieces since then. But nevertheless, like it's, it's, uh, yeah, I think that's. Probably, probably my answer. As as for well, the Nationals, I just sort of feel like, you know, thinking about sort of, I think a decent amount was kind of predicated on, like, are we going to get more out of uh, Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber? Yeah, that, and I feel like, I feel like that could happen. Yeah, I, that's, yeah. that's when teams get into trouble. I, I think... When teams get – that was the Royals used to be in that in that cycle. And by the way, well, I'll, I want one more thing to say about the Royals before we go. Um, but the Royals got in that cycle where they're like, oh, well, you know, if Juan Gonzalez could have one more good year, then, you know, and it's just – not that Kyle Schwarber or Josh Bell, they both are – you know, Josh Bell was, was a fantastic player. Um, it was like a, a month, really. I mean, that's that's 
I, I don't know. Yeah. I never I don't want to like dismiss anybody, especially so young as Josh Bell. But he just right. he has a very high variance launch angle. And it seems yeah. to me like it was just kind of working for him for that. I mean, maybe it was like two months. Yeah, but it was it was not a hugely long period of time. It was not then, a huge long period of time. Yeah. And Schwarber is, you know, I mean, I kind of feel like we know who he is, you know. It, it's just uh, he's got a low average. He give you some home runs and play, you know, subpar defense. I mean, it's I, I just you're just not winning with guys like that. When you're when you're relying on guys like that to be the best versions of themselves, it might happen. You might get lucky and and it might last for a little while, but sooner or later that kind of stuff runs out. I think so. Uh, before we go, I do want to talk about the Royals because uh, you know talk about surprise. Teams. Yeah, Look at the Royals. Nine and six, Salvi Perez having a great early start. But the thing I really want to say about them, and, and you know, he he has not gotten his fair due on this podcast, and he should. Whit Merrifield, in addition to having an amazingly wonderful name. It's a great Whit name. Merrifield. Yeah, that's just as good as it gets. He's a good player. Like, a really, really good player. And... You know, he sort of gets lost in, in you know, they, they haven't been any good. And, and he's he's sort of this this odd character. You know, he was he, he, he led the league at stolen bases for a while. And then he, then he started hitting for average. And but he's really good. He's really, really good. And uh, and he's off to a fantastic start, as are the Royals. And good for them. That's 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 delightful. Yeah, that's it's absolutely. Delightful. It's very delightful to me, too. It makes me wish that I would have picked the Royals, although. I think what is perhaps even more delightful to me about the Royals is that I feel like they're doing so well, despite the fact that a number of the players on their team are not do, are not out to a great start. You know, Santana is not, although I feel like with Santana, you know that he's just going to heat up later in the season. And, sure. and sure. I feel the same. I mean, I like Jorge Soler, but he has not been good so far. Same for Hunter Dozier, and they're without Mondesi, and so they've been playing Nicky Lopez. Um so who is a delight, by the way, a delight. I mean, Nikki I Lopez. I have Nikki Lopez on a 24 team dynasty league, and so I'm not here to <laughs> impugn the name of Nikki Lopez. You should, but... you should get a Nikki Lopez jersey. He's a delightful young guy. I would happily on, do Nikki that. Lopez. <laughs> yeah, he's he is he is delightful. Yeah, no, there. Yeah, there's some room for for improvement there. I mean, Santana could definitely get off to a. You know, he could he could do a, a little more. Solaire could start hitting some home runs. They're they're. They're on the right path. I, I don't know how quickly it comes. I mean, that rotation is, you know, who knows? I, I, it's or what they're going to get. But, I mean, they also have, uh, you know, one of the best prospects in baseball waiting to to, mm-hmm. to, to break through there. Do you think um, that we see him this year? Or do you think that, I mean, because what was the highest level that, that Bobby Witt Jr. had played, right? Very low, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he was so good in spring that it's, it's kind of hard to imagine, uh, you know, if he gets off to a really good start in the minor leagues, I mean, he's only played rookie ball. He's, I mean, he, what is he? He's 21. Um, you know, look, if they're in it in June or July, I mean, they're actually still playing this kind of baseball and he's, you know, showed some, you know, because they're super impressed with his maturity level. I mean, he's son of a, Son of a major leaguer and and uh, right, isn't he? Is he son of major leaguer? Right? Is he? 
Is he Bobby Witt's son? Isn't that right? Or am I wrong about that? I'm I I I trust you to know these things. I actually don't know that. You know what? I always just assumed he was, and uh, and and I just assumed that he was. Uh, yeah, he's his son of Bobby Witt. Yeah, I, I I I was second guessing myself, but I shouldn't have been. Um, but son of a major leaguer. Um, I think he gets off to a decent start, and uh, I think they're starting him in Double A. Is that right? And uh, and and the team, you know, could could use him. Yeah, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance that uh, that he'd have a a real chance yeah. um, of playing this year. Regardless, the future looks pretty decently bright for this organization. I mean, they've got a lot of young pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this I is, like Brady Singer a lot. Brady Singer's good. I mean, they've got stuff in the minor leagues. I, I think. I really, truly believe, and I've said that on the show, that uh, Dayton Moore is really good at this. And, uh, you know, he is he has walked down some very odd paths uh, in, in a lot of people's minds. But I think he's he is not the most, um, you know, he, he's not somebody who who fits into the into what has become the general manager genius model. Mm-hmm. Right. He's not he's not Ivy educated. He's not uh, somebody who is who is uh, married to the analytics. He's more of a scouting guy, but he has really good common sense and he treats people well. And, and he, uh, you know, he just, he, he just has, a, he's, he's dedicated. I mean, he's dedicated not only to the team, he's dedicated to his plan and sticking with it and, and being loyal. I, I think he runs a, I think he runs a really good club there. I, I was joking with him that I'd like to, you know, for them to be good again. And then somebody should write a book uh, about him. That would be sort of the Moneyball version of the Royals. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> but he has uh, said, nobody would do that because it's not, you know, he doesn't have this, this fun uh, analytic stuff. Plus Brad Pitt wouldn't play him in a movie. So he's probably right about that. I don't know who would play Dayton more in a movie. I mean, nor do I. But <laughs> I thought you were going to come up with someone. I thought you were just going to give me a name of somebody who could play Dayton Moore in a movie. You know, I I feel like I'm not I'm not one hundred percent confident what Dayton Moore. I looks know. Like. I wow, really? All right. I know people will send in suggestions, so send in your suggestions. Oh, Hashtag uh, li- Liv, Liv, Liv Scheiber uh, could totally play him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, especially right. like if- these these days. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Dayton movie hashtag is the hashtag if you want to recommend who should play Dayton more in the movie of the book that I probably will never write. All right, it's time uh, for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast woe. It's one last woe. Uh, do you have one? Do you have a meaningless thing for us? Yeah, I suppose. So yes. uh, on Sunday, Jay Bruce retired. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's not meaningless. I'd actually like to genuinely be grateful for the career of Jay Bruce for saving the Phillies at the most unexpected time 
Like, I appreciate you for that, Jay Bruce, and for also not being very good for the Mets. I also appreciate you, Jay Bruce. Uh, and however, this had me thinking about Jay Bruce Boo Guy, who was this man uh, sometime when my husband Eric and I went to a baseball game at City Field. A man was very vociferously booing Jay Bruce. I'm not sure if I've even talked about it on this podcast. Wow. It made so. an impression on me because it it reminded me of in uh, The Princess Bride when there's that woman who's like, boo. Like it was that, that angry and vitriolic. Literally every time Jay Bruce did anything, like as soon as he came up to, pl to the plate, it was not related to him doing something poorly. It was related to him existing. And I oh. thought, this is not how to be. And so this is, J. Bruce Boo Guy was one of the inspirations for, then I wrote a series on like how to cheer, in my opinion, um, which of course also includes uh, not throwing things at people, although I didn't, I did, it does not include that, but that includes, it, it was is, just assumed. It is it was included assumed. in my overall ethos. However, I did not yes. write it in the article because I didn't think that I would need to write that. Right. Um, right. However, a new inclusion to my how to cheer, and this is maybe controversial, but I've okay. decided that I really hate it when people boo when the pitcher throws over to first. Ooh. It just, Am it annoys me. It's like, it's, okay. it's just part of the game. He's just checking the runner. Whereas it seems like everybody is like, how dare you insinuate that our player was trying to steal something? Like, it's just, it's just part of the game, guys. Yeah. So I don't, I don't love it. So I guess that's, I mean, perhaps my one last meaningless thing, uh, via Jay Bruce Boo guy is I don't like it. I don't like it when people boo the pitcher throwing throwing back wow. to the first baseman. Yeah. Wow. Well, Ellen, you know that I dearly, dearly love you and, and would do anything for you. Uh, I can't go with you here. Boo away. Boo at the boo those pitchers that throw them over the ball to first base. It's I, – I just boo them. I'm sorry. No. I mean, especially, if they, especially if they do it more than once. No, it's not dumb. It's not dumb because it is – it is dumb that you allow pitchers to throw the ball over to first base. Like if like to me, it's like you get to throw the ball once to first base. And then you can throw it a second time, but if you don't pick them off, they go to second. I don't it's it is it is boring. It is it interrupts the game. Most often they are not even trying to pick off the runner. They're just basically they they're like, uh, I don't I don't know what I'm gonna throw yet. I'm just gonna stall and keep this game going by throwing over to first base. No, boo away. You're a fan. You paid your money. Boo those guys. Do whatever. No, don't boo them for just being because you're a jerk. Like that doesn't. But if they throw to first base, I'm all for it. I'm all for the boo. I I'm just I just can't go with you on the on the booing the throw to first base. I mean, I don't love booing generally, but I'm not against. No, I'm not. I don't I'm not. I'm not against. I'm not against all booing. I, do, I never participated. How are in you? How are you? How are you on the when the pitcher wheels around and fake throws to second and everybody screams balk? How do you feel about that? Well, if it's a balk, it's a balk. Like no, but it's that's not a balk. It's never a balk. You you can do whatever you want to second base. I'm saying like that that particular people just I mean, that's just basically like I don't know the balk rule. That's what they're screaming. Uh, how do you feel about that? Or how do you feel about fans cheering 
fly balls that they think are going to go out of the yard but end up being routine fly balls. Well, I I do have <laughs> feelings about both of these things. Yes. And one is if a bunch of people are yelling balk, 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 I'm actually kind of delighted because they sound like chickens. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but I do think that they're stupid. And then the the for me, like sometimes it's hard to calibrate the angle when you're first sitting down and you're f- seeing your first balls. And some sometimes sure. like it can be hard to tell if you're sitting a sort of on the upper deck whether or not something is going to bounce. It can look like, oh, that ball's gonna get down for a grounder and then it doesn't, it's caught. Like I get right. that. However, what what baffles me is when people don't look at the fielders. Like that's the yes. obvious way to tell. So if the fielders sort of maybe misjudging the ball and they look like they're tearing for the center field fence, then like, yes, get excited. But if the fielders coming in a little bit or just like standing where they are waiting for the ball to come to them, I mean, unless they're Aaron Hicks, like then you should probably, you know, not get too excited about it. Probably not. Yeah. yeah that, that, that would, I would agree with that. I'd agree with that. All right. My one last meaningless thing is, uh, so I have started, started this about a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, a month ago. Have started playing a lot of chess mm. uh, online. It has been sort of my uh, escape. I'm not I'm not good at chess, uh, but but I've I've started playing um, uh, chess and started getting a little bit into the chess uh, community. Uh, watching like a couple of people who are are big chess streamers on on YouTube and things like that. This, by the way, there are two points I want to make about this. One is that the chess community is so much vaster than I ever could have imagined. It is, I mean, these these streamers, these chess streamers, uh, like Gotham Chess and Eric Rosen and a couple of these others, they've got like a million subscribers on YouTube wow. who are just watching them break down chess. And and you know, as somebody who who spent two years of his life uh, following the the Harry Houdini uh, magic mm-hmm. world, you know, I kind of got a sense of okay, well, this is how big this world is, and I was pretty close to right. Totally underestimated the chess world. This chess thing is enormous. It's just an enormous, enormous uh, audience for people who are. Uh, playing chess and learning chess, and obviously it's a worldwide audience. But but these are American uh, people who are who are doing these streams, and and they're just you know they're huge, just huge uh, supporters. So that is that is the first thing was wow, uh, I walked into a world, and and there's like and it's really funny because it's like getting into a soap opera that that you know you you'd never heard of before, and there's like all sorts of drama, like fights between different grandmasters and 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 like all sorts of other crazy things that you're like wow i i i would not have known any of this and should not know any of this and nobody i know cares about any of this but here in this world this is like a big deal and they talk about it like you're all like oh well as everybody knows but you're like what? everybody knows this i don't i don't think anybody knows this it's really crazy so that's the first thing the second thing is i i you know, my father taught me chess. My father uh, was a uh, a very, very you know good player. I mean, like a master level player. He he won 
some some version of the Cleveland Open when I was when I was young. I wow, mean, he was a great player. Yeah, yeah, he was a truly really really good player, and uh, and he taught me how to play. And I was never a good player, uh, but but he taught me how to play. And so, you know, I, I, I played for a little while and then I put it away and then I played for a little while uh, and I put it away and now I'm sort of getting back into it a little bit and it's, it's fun, you know, to, to learn. I'm, I'm, I feel like I've learned a lot more about chess in the last three weeks than I knew uh, ever before, but here's the thing about chess. Nothing makes me feel worse about myself than chess. Nothing oh. on like there's literally nothing because I will play. Uh, games against you know you're playing against people your level generally your level and uh and i will play badly and lose and i will be like i'm 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 really dumb and too stupid to be living on this earth oh. at this point it's like this no and then of course when i do win on those you know occasions that i do win you know, I feel like, oh, I am king of the world. I could do anything. And then I lose, which I do more often than I win. And I just feel so bad. And I don't think it's healthy. Mm. I don't I don't believe, like, I think it's healthy to play chess. I think it's it's healthy to work your mind. And, and, and you know, there are lots of things that I'm, you know, sort of, uh, you know, I, I, I feel it seep into some of the other parts of my, of my uh, life. You know, I think when it comes to, sort of problem solving and memory and some of these other things. But man, I just feel like such a dummy playing it. So I'm, I have asked myself many times, why are you doing mm. this to yourself? Mm -hmm. Why, why are you picking a, a, a an activity uh, that, uh, that makes you feel this bad about yourself? But then I go back to doing it. So I don't know. I don't really know where it's all going to lead, but I just wanted to, I just, I felt it was meaningless enough for me to tell you just that what, what this chess thing has done to me. Yeah. I, I mean, this made me think many things. And, you know, the first is that obviously it is not true. You are wonderful and smart and no, you no, bring the no. world great joy. And, no. and I was also thinking, yeah, I don't need anything like that because I already feel like crappy enough about the things that I'm like <laughs> supposed to do with my life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like already acting and writing make me feel terrible. So um, yeah, but then I was realizing, oh no, actually the analogy here for me, and I don't know if you'll appreciate this or not, like maybe you'll actually love that I'm about to say this, is fantasy baseball. Ah, there you go. And I have to remind myself that really, and it is true, this is not like a thing that I say, but the reason that I enjoy to play fantasy baseball is because I just feel like it makes me learn things about baseball. It makes, it sounds like it forces. I learn things about baseball that I might not otherwise through playing fantasy baseball. That is I why that. I actually enjoy it. Like I am not super... Oh. I don't want to play in like big money leagues with famous people. I just want to like feel like, oh, I have more of an ownership stake. It feels like in more teams, basically, you know, more more sort of storylines to follow. Um, however, despite the fact that I know this about the way that I play fantasy baseball, I can still feel really bad about myself when I when I mess something up, not so much when like I set a lineup and it didn't do well, but like I felt bad for a whole day because in the 2014 Dynasty League that I mentioned, I I had a number of other uh, Arizona Diamondbacks 
uh, relievers. And I was going to try to get Kevin Ginkle for one dollar because I was like, sure. it's, you know, I just I just want to sort of shore it up so that like no matter who ends up being the closer, I've got the guy and lost because somebody bid two dollars. And oh. I was like, I needed Kevin Ginkle. And I, why didn't I just <laughs> bid two dollars? And it, it like legitimately I was in a bad mood about it for yeah. for a while, even when I was like, this literally means nothing. Like it does not exist. That's right. Your That's right. your dismay is is for an actual fictional thing that is about a game that people play for enjoyment, right? So like stop. And even so, like later in the day, I would be like, why am I cranky? And I'm like, oh yeah, Kevin Ginkle. Well, but it, as bad as that is, I think it's even worse with chess in this way. So at the end of every chess. Uh, that I play, game I play, you can analyze the the game uh, with a computer and the computer will tell you what, you know, mm. what good moves you made, what bad moves you made, you know, what what you did right, what you did wrong, that kind of thing. And, uh, and I played a game uh, last week where I literally missed mate and one like seven times. Like I had like seven or eight opportunities or more, maybe nine, opportunities to win the game on one move. I just was literally at mate and one. I just had to move my queen here or my rook here and I would have won the game. Uh, and I did not find any of those moves. I mean, sometimes it was the same move. It was like three or four consecutive times. It was the same move. Um, oh. But, but, um, but point being, I was devastated for like the rest of the day. Okay. But here's the thing. Unlike your thing, which is, you know, you're in a league with other people, only one person on earth even knew it, which is the guy I was playing. And he doesn't know me. He didn't know who it was. So literally nobody knew. Nobody knew or cared. And yet I'm sitting there feeling like devastated by this thing that nobody else would, nobody would have known if I hadn't come on this podcast to tell people uh, what a terrible chess player I am. <laughs> um, and, and so that's, that's even worse than, than, than like a fantasy or like blowing it in a, in a real game or something. I mean, this was, this is, you know, I, it's, it's inexplicable, but anyway, that is my point. So we are actually closing it on two hours. We're not going to get there. I'm not going to let it happen. So Ellen, <laughs> As always, thank you. Oh, you're the best, Joe. The presenting sponsor of today's show is Tops.com and Tops Project 70. Tops is celebrating the 70th anniversary of its very first baseball card design with a new program that pushes boundaries while also paying homage to their heritage. Founded in 1938 as a chewing gum company, Tops released their first baseball card set in 1951. Now, seven decades later, Topps has teamed up with 51 artists and creatives from around the globe to revisit and reimagine 70 years of Topps' most iconic baseball card designs through a year-long program called Project 70. Each artist will select their own MLB players and Topps designs from any year to craft a unique story. Ever wanted to know what Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle would look like in a 1980s Topps design? Or how about Fernando Tatis Jr. in the 1950s? Now you can. Three new cards launch daily all year long on Tops.com and are only available for 70 hours before they're gone for good. 
While you're there, on the lookout for special cards, each card drop includes rainbow foil editions, numbered 1 to 70, randomly inserted into each card's print run, as well as one of one gold frame edition given to a lucky purchaser. Exclusive artist proof editions, numbered to 51, featuring a silver frame are also available for purchase for every single card. But hurry, as those sell out shortly after each card is launched. So look, head to tops.com to learn more about Project 70 and to check out which cards are live right now.